Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ or just beginning to explore who Jesus is, we invite you to join us as we dive deep into God's Word and what He has to teach us today. So listen in as we jump into what God has in store. Oh, well, good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so great to be together today, and a big welcome to all of our campuses. So welcome to our Nolensville campus, our Nashville West, Nashville South, our Columbia campus. Welcome everybody here at our Franklin campus and our online campus. You know, one church with multiple locations so we can reach more people with the gospel and share the good news and grow fully mature disciples. And welcome to the beginning of our Easter series. I'm so excited about this series. It's Easter, man. I love Easter, it is such an incredible celebration of what God has done for us, right? Sending his son, Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And some people say, well, you know, for Christians, you know, Easter is your Super Bowl. And I'm thinking, uh, no, it's way bigger than the Super Bowl, okay? I mean, the Super Bowl has only been around for 57 years, by the way. And uh, this has been 2,000 years of Jesus changing lives, changing hearts, and changing eternity, right? And so for all of us, man, we are a part of something way bigger than ourselves. We are a part of a movement of God, that God's Holy Spirit is at work. And I just love everything about Easter. I love that we can come and worship, dive into God's Word. I love the time with church, with family, with community. I love it's in the spring. We're coming out of the dead and the darkness of winter and into the new life, right, of spring and what Jesus has done for us. But here's about Easter. Easter means this. Easter means you matter to God. Easter's personal. And I pray that this would be your best Easter yet because you would realize the depth and the grace and the goodness and the love that God has for you. And when you were dead in your sins and your transgressions, when we had no hope or no help, God came to us. God sent his one and only son for you. You are loved. You are valuable. You matter to God almighty. Wow, I pray this Easter God would come alive in you. This Easter, we're gonna be talking about Jesus' greatest stories. And we see that Jesus was the master teacher. And everything in his teaching ministry was leading up to the cross and leading up ultimately to the resurrection and what God was doing for us. And so here's how Jesus taught. He taught stories, right? But stories that had spiritual truth, spiritual meaning for us. He taught in ways called parables, parables. And so in the Greek, parable, right? Which literally means to come alongside. And so Jesus being the master teacher, he would take an everyday example, something that everybody would know, and then he would bring spiritual truth alongside. And people would go, oh, I get it, right? I, like that makes sense. You know, any great teacher wants there to be an aha moment, right? Once that moment where you're like, oh, you discover truth and then you like own it. You've got it, right? It's an aha moment. Maybe you've had those aha moments. Maybe you've been in a discussion with your friend or with your spouse or with your kids and you're like, I just don't get it, you know, and you're trying to see it from their perspective and then finally something clicks and you're like, aha, I get it, right? I get it. And it's like that aha moment. Or somebody tells you gelato is really good and you're like, Italian ice cream, really? I mean, like, and then you taste it, you're like, aha, <laughs> it really is good, okay? I get it now, right? You taste it and you see it. Or somebody says, don't touch that, it's hot. And you're like, yeah, right. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, aha. And you never do it again. There's that moment, though, that you get it. But in storytelling, there's a, the master teacher just wants that moment because then you own it. 
Maybe you can think back to school. Maybe you can think back to elementary or middle school or high school or college, and you just had a professor, and you were just like, man, they were such a good teacher, right? I, I remember in high school taking physics, and I was like, oh, I don't want to take it. It's supposed to be hard, right? And I'm playing sports. Who has time to study, right? In high school, you know, so it's like, and then, you know, but then I get in this class, and the, the professor was like so good. The teacher was just amazing, and I was like, wow, this is really exciting. And then it was like it just kind of clicked. And you're like, I, I like this. One of my favorite classes in all high school was physics because it just made sense. And there was that aha moment. That's what Jesus does. That's the way Jesus teaches. Jesus wants you to get it. He wants me to get it, right? It's not some lofty up there like, oh, wait a minute. Wow, that was great. Yeah, I don't understand it. Like he wants us to understand the depth and the mercy of what he's doing for us. And so we're going to explore these different stories. And I pray that God would speak to your heart. I pray that God would give you that aha moment of spiritual truth, of spiritual depth as we grow in our relationship with God. I pray this Easter will be your best Easter yet. If you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. So New Testament, if you need a Bible, there's Bibles in the back at all of our campuses. You can go back there and get a Bible, put your name in it. It's yours. It's free. It's a gift from us. We want you to have God's Word but man, it's so good. Or maybe you've got your phone with you and you want to pull out. You can look up the scripture there on our Church Center app, the Rolling Hills app. But Mark chapter 4, if you've been reading in our daily step, we've been going through Mark, you know, as a church. And so we've you've read this passage this past week. But you see that Mark starts with Jesus' earthly ministry. And Jesus is doing all these miracles. He's healing people. Lives are being changed. People are flocking to Jesus. I mean, there are huge crowds coming to Jesus all around him. And it tells us in Mark chapter four, verse one, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. Okay, the lake is the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Lake of Tiberias, right? And so you have this 14 mile wide, seven mile lake right there, the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus spent so much of his earthly ministry ministering there in Galilee. And so the crowds are coming, he's by the lake. Now we do a biblical study tour to Israel every couple of years. Obviously, we're not going this year, but hopefully next year we'll be back going. But I would love at some point, if you would go, it's it's incredible. You just see God's word come to life. But we shot some footage there on the Sea of Galilee. So I want you to kind of go there with me today. I want you to kind of be there as we unpack this story that Jesus told. So he's teaching by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and he sat in it on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. So you can imagine the crowds are coming and he's like, they're pressing up against him. He's backing up. Here's the lake. He's like, hey guys, can't go back any further, right? They bring a boat. He gets in the boat and he sits down to teach. Rabbis would teach from sitting down and everybody else is standing. So you can picture everybody on the shore standing there, people probably in the water around the boat, listening to him. And he taught them many things by peril, by parables. And in his teaching, he said, Listen, here's the first story. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, Jesus probably looked up and he saw there in the countryside a farmer sowing his seed. And he's like, look right there. Here you go. Look at that farmer. Now, back then they didn't dig rows, right? And put one seed, one seed, right? They would have a satchel, a pouch. And so the farmer would come in and just reach in and start throwing seed. That's called sowing seed, right? So they're just throwing the seed and they're walking along. They got to cover a lot of land, right? So they're throwing the seed. He goes, listen, look, look, look right there. A farmer went out to sow 
his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. So the path was well-trodden, right? They didn't have sidewalks or concrete. It was just this hard path, but it had been walked on so many times that it was hard, it was solid. And so the seed couldn't penetrate. And so the seed's just sitting out there vulnerable, the birds coming, swooping, eating up the seed. He said, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now, when you go to Israel, what you'll find is there are a lot of rocks. I mean, there are rocks everywhere. And so Jesus says, some of the seed, it falls kind of in between the rocks, you know, but, but it's, it's, it's so shallow, the soil right there that has no roots. And so it springs up and then gets scorched out and it doesn't make it. That seed doesn't make it, right? But then look at this, verse seven. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that it did not bear grain. He said, still the other seed, it started to grow. And you're thinking, okay, it's going to make it. It's going to do well. And then no, it gets choked out. It gets choked out because it's among the thorns. It's among the thistles and it chokes it out. And then verse eight, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. You can imagine Jesus going, look at that farmer over there. But look at the field over here, all the grain, all the wheat. Look at that harvest over there. Just those little seeds, right? Produce that incredible harvest. So three bad, one good. Then Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now he's talking about physical hearing. No, he's talking about spiritual hearing. It's like, do you get it? Do you understand what I'm talking about? When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. He's like, the whole purpose of the parable, of the story is that people would turn to God, that they would realize, that they would be forgiven, that they would understand. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Don't you get it? You understand? How then will you understand any parable? He's like, this is a pretty important parable right now. I'm kind of laying the groundwork for everything else that is to come. The farmer sows the word. So Jesus goes ahead and gives us what the parable means. He doesn't do this with all of his stories, but this one he does. He's like, I want you to get it. The farmer, he's sowing the word, right? Not just see the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, notice that, they have no root. They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seeds sown among the thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things notice those three things, comes in and choked the word, making it unfruitful. And then look at this. Others like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Oh, Jesus goes, be that good seed, right? Be that good seed. 
All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. If you've got a worship guide, you can pull that out right now. If you want to go uh, to the phone and you can pull up the notes there on the Church Center app, the Rolling Hills app there, but a place to take notes. But here, I want you to get this today. It's so important. First of all, you see this. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. All right, so if somebody asks you, like, you know, how, how did Jesus teach you? He taught a parables. What's a parable? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That, that's what a parable is. And so you hear this earthly story about a farmer, right? But it has a heavenly meaning. Jesus taught over 40 parables. Jesus taught over 40 parables. And so it's really important that we know this if we're going to understand the teachings of Jesus. Because so much of the New Testament, he's talking in these parables and he's teaching. Now, this was standard rabbinical teaching. The Jewish rabbis would teach this way, right? Most good teachers teach this way because they want you to get the story. They want you to have that aha moment. So Jesus was the ultimate rabbi, the ultimate teacher. You know, many of their stories we don't even know anymore. All of Jesus' stories, why? Because the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So here we are 2,000 years later, spiritual truth still being taught to us. But this was rabbinical teaching. Jesus taught this way so that people would discover, people would discover spiritual truth. That's what he longed for. That's what he wanted when you go, oh, now I get it. It wasn't just kind of this theoretical. It wasn't just up there like, okay, it's nebulous. I don't get it. I don't understand it. He's like, no, no, no. I want you to get this. I want you to understand it. I want it to be practical. I want it to change your life. So understanding the parable of the sower then, Jesus says, is key to understanding Jesus' stories. Why? Because we must ask ourselves, what does this teaching mean to me? What does this teaching mean to me? So you can read Jesus' stories and go, oh, wow, what a great story. Wow, did he make that up? I mean, that was amazing. And then you just kind of go on and go, okay, that was it. And I'm going to leave it there. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. I'm teaching so that your life has changed. Your life is impacted, right? That's what he wanted, life transformation. Not just behavior modification, but life transformation. So the parable of the sower. Parable A, right? The Greek, you know, to come alongside. So he's taking the sower and he's coming alongside with the spiritual truth. And you see these three S's. First, the sower is Jesus. Jesus is the sower, right? The farmer went out to sow the word, he says. So the sower is Jesus. And so what is Jesus doing? He has that huge crowd there on the shore in the boat. He's like, I'm sowing seed, sowing seed, right? The word of God, I'm sowing seed. The second is the seed is the word of God. So you got the sower, you got the seed, right? Now the word of God doesn't change, right? The word of God is living and active. The word of God stands forever, right? So the word of God doesn't change. But the thing that does change is this, the third one, which is this, the soil. And the soil is the human heart. So Jesus, the sower, right? You got the seed, the word of God, the soil, the human heart. So Jesus is teaching and the seed is falling. (laughs) But here's what Jesus says. There are four responses, four responses to the word of God, four responses to the gospel. The gospel means good news. So there's four responses that you see and Jesus lays it out very clearly. The first response, when people hear the word of God, when people hear the gospel, the first response is people who are hard-hearted. They're (laughs) hard-hearted. Right? Jesus says this. He makes it so clear in his interpretation. He says, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path. 
where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Now, maybe you know people like this. Maybe you've got somebody in your family. Maybe you've got a friend. Maybe you've got a coworker. And man, they're just hard-hearted. And you're like, I don't get it. I mean, well, I'm trying to tell them about Jesus. I try to tell them about joy and peace and hope. And they're just, they're just like mad. They're like, no, I don't want it. No, right? I like being angry. I like being frustrated. I, you know, I, it's just, and you're just like, what? Right? And they go, well, I'm an atheist or, you know, I'm, I'm agnostic or whatever. It's just like, and you're going, but, but there is like such peace over here. And you're going, what has happened? And Jesus says, well, Satan has come and taken it. Now, who's Satan? Satan's our enemy, right? See, but here's the thing about Satan. Satan can't get to God because God's all powerful. So what does Satan do? He goes after God's children. Misery loves company, right? So I'm gonna go take out. Now it's one thing if you do something to me, you go after my kids, ah, that's a whole different ballgame. And so Satan knows, man, I can get at God by taking away the seed that was planted. And so there's some people who are just, their heart, you're going, I don't understand that. But you remember maybe that was you one day. <laughs> maybe in your past you go, yeah, that was me. I, I was like that. I was like, well, it's good enough for everybody else. That's fine. You can go to church. You can do your thing. But, but man, my heart was hard. Until there was that moment, until there was life change, until there was a, and so that's where you just go keep sowing the seed. If you go to John chapter six, in John chapter six, there were huge crowds that were following Jesus and, and they, they came and they said, Jesus, do another miracle. Right, Jesus, we love seeing this. Entertain us, right? Hey, hey, remember that feeding of the 5,000? We loved it. Fish, loaves, woo, great meal. You know, keep it going, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is going, I'm the bread of life. The whole reason I'm doing the miracles is to point you to me and to the Father that you have eternal life. And they were like, well, okay, that's fine, but entertain us. And Jesus goes, okay, let me just kind of ramp it up. And he ramps up the teaching and he says, in John chapter six, he says, hey, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not be one of my disciples. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? Now, obviously he was talking about communion, right? And the bread and the cup, what was coming? We see that. But for them, they were like, well, I don't want to follow you. I just want to be in the crowd. I just want you to entertain me, right? I don't want to like be committed. And it says in John chapter six, verse 66, Kind of crazy, right? 666. But anyway, John 6, 66, it says this. From that time on, many in the crowd turned back and followed him no more. Isn't that crazy? They walked away. Why? They're hard-hearted. The word of God was there. They were like, no, 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 I don't want that. And Jesus looked at his disciples. He goes, hey, you guys want to leave me too? And I love Peter. I love Peter's response. He goes, where are we going to go? <laughs> you have the words to eternal life. I mean, where are we going to go? I mean, what are we going to turn to, right? Where's our hope? Where's our help? I mean, what are we going to do in this life without you? And here's what I would encourage you. If you have people in your life who just seems they're hard-hearted and you've been praying for them and you've encouraged them, you've been trying to share the gospel with them, you've been talking, don't give up. Just keep praying, keep loving, keep encouraging. You know what happens on that hard path? Sometimes there gets to be cracks and the seed starts to fall in. Because there comes a point for everybody when crisis hits in our life, a child gets sick, lose a job, we're confronted with our own mortality and then all of a sudden people are like, whoa, 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 I need God, I need God. And that seed that you helped plant, that seed that was sown, all of a sudden starts to germinate. Don't give up. But there's a second response, second response. And the second response is this, people who have no root. People who have no root. <laughs> He says, listen, 
Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, two things, trouble or persecution come, because of the word, they quickly fall away. And maybe you know people like this, right? They used to come to church and they were so excited. They came and they're like, oh, this is awesome. I've never been anywhere like this. This is amazing, you know? And they're like jumping in or they went to camp and they just had this incredible time. And, and then a few weeks later, or a few months later, you're like, where are they? What happened to them? They received it with joy. They were like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, this is what I need. But, but it says when trouble or persecution comes, and that's what happens so many times, right? People are like, oh, this is awesome. And with Jesus, there means there's no more trouble. And then all of a sudden they face a hardship in their life and they're like, okay, forget it. I mean, maybe God doesn't care about me, you know? Why am I going through this hard time? And Jesus tells his disciples, he's like, in this world, you will have trouble. You live in a broken world. You live in a fallen world. But one day there will be no more trouble. But you hang on. See what trouble can do, it can either lead you away from God or you can go, I'm gonna grow deep roots. I'm gonna face this trouble, but I know God's not finished with me. I know God is sovereign. I know that God's got a plan. I know that God's got a purpose. And you stand true to God. And what does he do? He brings you through that trouble. And then when you face the next trouble, you're like, okay, God's got this. I'm not gonna freak out and go crazy like I did last time, right? Because you're growing deep roots. Trouble or persecution. Persecution right? There's people who go, yeah, I'm so into God. And then, and then somebody at work says, really, really? Are you, you're a Christian? Are you sure? Well, I mean, you know, are you one of those holy people, right? Like you like got to pray all the time and stuff. And like, ah, eh, no, not really. And then they kind of fall away. Or somebody at school says something and they're like, ah, I don't know. And then you start to back up and you're like, what happened? Trouble or persecution. Now, the fact is this, we don't really face persecution in the United States. Let's be honest. You know, today we've got brothers and sisters in Christ like, who are Christians who are literally going to churches in other countries and they can be arrested. And many are, or put in jail for their faith or even killed for their faith. But, but here somebody says one little thing and people just fall away and you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why? Because there's no root. There's no root. There's a guy in our church and I remember about 15 years ago, him and his wife started coming to church and and he was just getting excited about his faith. He was just growing his faith. And, and I was like, man, this guy, he's gonna be a leader. It's gonna be awesome. And then, and then I remember his dad passed. I remember going to the funeral and, and I sat there at the funeral and I thought, this guy's gonna go one of two ways, right? He's either gonna be mad and bitter at God, you know, or he's gonna say, God, I'm gonna trust you. You're my heavenly father. I'm gonna live my life for you. And I've watched this guy, praise God for 15 years. And man, he has grown solid in the Lord. He's not perfect, right? He makes mistakes, but I'm gonna tell you, I see the impact on generations that God is doing in him and through him. And I'm like, man, so does the trouble lead you away from God or does it lead you to God? Are you growing deep roots? There's a third group, right? Jesus talks about, and this is not producing, not producing. Still others like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but there's three things he says. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So Jesus is like, hey, out here in the crowd, right? There's gonna be people you're not gonna produce. You're gonna hear it. You're gonna get excited about it, but man, you're not gonna live it. I'd call this cultural Christianity. 
right? A lot of people don't want to show up. They want, yeah, 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 that Jesus thing, that church thing, it's cool. Man, yeah, I kind of kind of stay in the background. I'll be right there. But, but you know, I'm not going to you know, go all in, right? You know? I'm not going to like you know, sell out for Jesus at all. I just kind of be a part of the, of the crowd. Now, Jesus wasn't interested in the crowd. He was interested in disciples. He loved the crowd, taught the crowd, but, but he wanted disciples. That's what he's looking for. And he says there's three things here, right? He says the worries of this life. How many people do you know? Man, they used to come to church. They used to serve. They were involved. But, but then it was like, ah, life is hard. It gets busy. It gets stressful. And so, you know what? I'm just going to kind of put, put Jesus, put the church, put those things on the shelf because I've got a bunch of other things to worry about. Or the deceitfulness of wealth. Man, that's a big one, isn't it? You remember when you didn't have much? You remember when you were like poor? You were like a college student or you were like a young adult? You had nothing, but you were so dependent on God, right? I mean, you would pray about everything. You were like, okay, God, I need help. I mean, I'm not gonna be able to pay my rent this week. God, help, right? And God, I need help. I don't even have anything to eat this week. Or, or God, I really like her. God, help turn her heart. You know, I mean, you just prayed about everything. And then it's amazing how all of a sudden God answers prayers, answers prayers, and then you get to a point and, and you have this wealth or this success and you're like, okay, God, I'm good. <laughs> I kind of got it. I'm all right. And you stop praying, you stop serving, you stop getting involved. You're like, you know, I, and you're going, what happened? It was the deceitfulness of wealth. It's the deceitfulness of wealth. It just happened. God knew it. Back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter eight, you can go read it later. Powerful, powerful, powerful. The, the children of Israel are in the wilderness they're worshiping there at the tabernacle. They're praying every day. God's giving a manna, quail. They're trusting the Lord. And then he goes, I'm gonna take you into this land, this promised land. And it is beautiful, land flowing with milk and honey. It's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna give you houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant. You're gonna be wealthy, right? You're gonna have all these things. Why? It was the land, right, that Abraham, that God had given to Abraham and the patriarchs, and they had gone down to Egypt. Now they're coming back and God's moving the people that had moved in there. He's gonna move them out. But he says, when you come into the land, don't forget about me. That's what he tells them. That's all Deuteronomy 8. Don't forget about me. Why? Because that's what happens. All of a sudden, when we were dependent on the Lord, when things were hard, but you could forget about God when all of a sudden the deceitfulness of wealth. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll despise the one and be devoted to the other. You can't serve both God and money. You gotta choose. That's not wrong to have money. Man, money can do a lot of good. You can be doing a lot of great things, but... But do you serve that, right? Were you dependent on the Lord before and then all of a sudden now I'm dependent on my 401k and wow, stock market's down all the time. Hi, I really don't need God, I got it, you know? And it's like, what? One computer glitch, it's gone, you know? I mean, where's your trust? Where's your faith? I mean, at some point, where's my faith? And, and I think that's where he says the deceitfulness of wealth and you know it, you've seen people like this, right? And then he says the third one, he says, and the desire for other things comes in. And sometimes the desire for other things and you're thinking, wow, I could have a second house and I could have a third house and I can have this. And then all of a sudden you're gone and you're taking care of all these things and you don't have time for church. You don't have time for community. You don't have time to get involved. You don't have time for serve. And he goes, that comes in and chokes out the word. And you look at your life and you go, wow, have I fallen in love with the world or am I falling in love with Jesus? You know, there's an old saying that says this, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I mean, if you were on trial, right? Like our brothers and sisters around the world and they were calling witnesses, would there be enough evidence to say, oh yeah, hmm, they're a Christian. I gotta tell you, 
I've seen them. I've seen the way they act. I've seen the way they love. I see the way they give. I see the way they serve. Whoa, man, yeah. Or would they be like, I don't know. But he says the fourth. <laughs> the fourth response to the good news. The fourth response to the gospel, the word. He said, others like seeds sown on good soil. Hear the word, accept it, right? Accept Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. He's the Lord of my life. And produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. He's like, look over there at that field. Look at that, that, that field over there. 75%, right? Didn't fall on good spot. Didn't take off. But that 25%, wow. Look at that whole field. Look at that whole harvest. Amazing. That's why Jesus said, I'm gonna call disciples. Because I know. I know when disciples start to live for the glory of God, they bear fruit. Now, what's the fruit of the Christian life? Well, Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so in your life, you go, am I bearing fruit? Is there more joy in my life? Is there more peace in my life? Is there more patience in my life, right? And I'm not perfect, but is there fruit coming in my life? Then also the fruit, am I loving others? Am I serving others? Am I Am I giving? Am I generous? Am I kind? Am I, am I investing in the things of God? Now, I want you to see how incredible this is, right? Because Jesus had crowds. But that same crowd that would walk away from Jesus would start to chant, crucify, crucify, crucify. And those 12 disciples stayed true through the crucifixion and onto the resurrection. And they got to see the miracles. Do you know after the resurrection, there were 120 believers? 120 men and women who were saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. And then the power of the Holy Spirit comes and you talk about fruit, you talk about life transformation. The early church grows in Acts chapter two and one day by 3,000 people. I mean, you're talking about mega church, right? I mean, you know, like all of a sudden it just takes off and lives are being changed. And from 3,000 to 5,000 to 20,000, they're just bearing fruit. They're sharing God's love. They're sharing God's grace. And it multiplies till today, almost 4 billion people would name Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You're like, what? Yeah, that's why Jesus was looking out going, I know what's gonna happen. And I'm calling disciples. So as you look at these four categories, which one are you? I mean, if you were to be honest, you would go, well, I don't know. I mean, am I hard-hearted? Has there ever been a time that I've committed my life to Christ? Said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I'm gonna follow you. Or maybe you just go, I, I don't know if I have deep roots. Every time there's trouble, every time I just kind of go up and down, I'm like an emotional roller coaster, right? I'm dependent on the Lord, then I'm not. And, or, or maybe you go, yeah, I'm really not producing. I think God's calling me to more. Or maybe you go, you know what? I'm not perfect, but man, I can see a harvest in my kids, my grandkids at church. Men's, women, I, I can see what God's doing. I get to be a part of that. And there's joy and there's hope and there's peace. And I, I'm excited about the Lord. I'm more excited than even when I accepted Christ the first time. I mean, God is at work. Now here's the beautiful news and the fun news. I think this is awesome. When you're a Christian, God has called you to plant seeds. When you are a Christ follower, God has called you to sow seeds. See what the Bible tells us is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right, so when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God places his Holy Spirit in you. And now you are the one to go sow seeds. You just start letting people know. 
You start sharing. I mean, there's seeds of God's word. You're sending scripture. There's seeds of prayer. There's seeds of blessing. There's seeds of encouragement. And you're just out sowing seed. And some people go, well, 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 Pastor Jeff, listen, my faith is private, right? My faith is private. I'm like, well, that's not Christianity. It's just not, right? Now, you don't have to get on stage and say so. You don't have to go to a game and wave a big sign, you know, or something. You don't have to be up here doing worship. But we ought to be talking about our faith. I mean, we will talk about the Super Bowl, right? We'll talk a lot about it. We'll talk about fashion. We'll talk about all these other things. But just encouraging people. You know, when you're doing that, right, some of that seed may fall on hard soil. And you're like, that's okay. I'm just going to keep sharing. I'm keep loving. Keep praying. But some of it, right, is going to spring up quickly. But then some of it is going to, have a harvest and you get to watch that and you get to see life change. It's incredible. And we get to be a part of that. God doesn't need us. God is sovereign over all, but God says, hey, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. You know, all around you today and all of our campuses around here in Franklin, uh, there's a packet of seeds. So I know some of you are gardeners and you're like, oh, this is great, you know, and take it, you know, and, and take it, plant it. There are herbs that you can have, uh, but maybe you're not a gardener, that's okay. Put the seeds, right, in your bathroom. Put them like in, you know, your car, somewhere that you can just see it and be reminded, I'm sowing seeds. And what seeds am I sowing? How am I gonna be used for the glory of God today? What is God gonna do through me? How am I sowing seeds in my own family, with my friends, at work, at school? See, we're called to share the good news with others. I mean, that's how people hear is when we share, right? And it's good news. It's the best news ever. I mean, it is life change in Christ, but we're just called to share. Now, here's what I love. I love this. It's a team effort, right? We're not on our own. Jesus took 12 disciples. These guys, band of brothers, hey, we're gonna love people. We're gonna share with people. We're gonna encourage one another. That's what church is. That's how it works, right? And so here's what happens. Somebody at work and you say, hey, I'd love for you to, I'd love for you to come to, to Easter service. I don't know if you have a church home, but I'd love for you to come. And they're like, okay, man, I, I've kind of been going through a tough time and, and, and maybe I need to come. And, and they show up and they pull in the parking lot and there's people out there waving parking lot and they're like, wow, people look like they like being here. That's amazing, right? I, I, I didn't grow up in a church like this. I'd never even been to a church. And, and yet people are smiling and they see these greeters who are saying hello, welcoming their kids go to kids ministry. And they're just like, this is incredible, right? I mean, they have a purple slide. I mean, unbelievable, you know? And they, they love being here. Their smiles, they're laughing. They come in and worship is like, wow, never heard anything like this in church, right? And then they hear the word of God and then they go, oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's for me. And they call you later on and they say, hey, can we get together and have coffee? Because I need what you got. I, I, I need that. I need Jesus. And you have the opportunity to share the love of Christ with them. And it's incredible. See, Paul says this. I, Paul, planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. It's only God who could change a heart. So the beautiful news is you can't mess up. Right? It can't mess up. All you do is sow seed. Now, I guess the way you mess up, right? You just plant one. <laughs> but at some point, when you just start getting out there and sowing seed and loving people and praying for people and encouraging people and blessing people, God starts to do amazing things, right? It's just math. The more seed you sow, the more potential there is for harvest. The more seed you sow with your own kids, with your grandkids, the more seed you sow with your coworkers, with people at school, the more seed you sow, then all of a sudden you start to watch God move and God work and lives be changed. Yeah, not everybody accepts, but boy, wow, people do. And you get to be a part of that. Last Sunday, there was these two ladies who were baptized and 
Uh, it was incredible. And I just got to tell you, Sarah and Jessica were baptized. Deanna Bevels baptized them. And, and here's what Sarah posted on Facebook. She said, what a special day to get baptized. I have come so far in my faith journey, exclamation point. I was never raised to know Jesus. But five years ago, my best friend suggested we go to church because we were dealing with some hard stuff. And I saw someone on Facebook share about Rolling Hills community. Somebody out there so deceived, you didn't even know it. You just posted something about what God was doing in your church. You had no clue. You shared it. And she said, we fell in love with the church and joined the women's Bible study group. That's when these women poured the name of Jesus into me. <laughs> they poured the name of Jesus into me. I grew closer and closer to him. And now I live every day for him, exclamation point. He saved me from my sin. Jesus loves me and I love him. Gosh, how incredible is that? <laughs> and then she posted, right? Her baptism, there were some pictures and, and you just see the joy. You see the smile, you see the life change. We get to be a part of that for the glory of God. That's what Easter is all about. That God has come for you. I don't know where you are today. Maybe today is an aha moment for you. You go, man, I need Jesus. I've kind of been hard-hearted. I've been like, it's for good for everybody else, but, but not for me. And today, Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you forgive my sin? Would you come alive in me? Maybe God's calling you to get baptized. And you've been kind of pushing God off. You've been stiff-arming, right? And, and God's saying, step out, be bold, right? Follow me. And maybe for you, you just look at your heart and you go, I, I don't have deep roots. God, I want to grow deeper in you. Or maybe a day you go, man, it's been the deceitfulness of wealth or it's been the cares of this world and it's choking me out. It's choking me out. I don't have that same joy. God, I want that joy for you. Restore the joy of my salvation. Or maybe for you, you go, God, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it in my kids, my family, my friends. And thank you. God, I get to be a part of it. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Search your heart today. Where are you? Would you be honest with God? I mean, God knows anyway. <laughs> Maybe a day you just go, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. There's a crack. <laughs> I've been hard-hearted, but, but I need you today. Come in. Maybe a day, God, give me that joy. Give me that peace. <laughs> Let me grow deep deep, deep in you. Maybe today God's put somebody on your heart and saying, sow some seed. Pray for them, encourage them. Send them a message on social media, post something, do something for the glory of God. Maybe God's calling you to join the church or be baptized or be a part of a group or lead a group. But God, I pray right now, God, that you would search our hearts. Father, the heart is the wellspring of our life. It's the soil. So as your word, Father, has fallen onto our heart, I pray, God, that you would bring a harvest. God, we give it to you right now. Speak to us right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray and respond. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. 
Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you want to learn more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.